0: Ken Weitzma and I'm glad you're here and I'm excited to be here and we are um, what's called a tabernacle church Uh, and that's not some weird thing basically it means that we don't have a building of our own and so like we move around like the tabernacle in the Old Testament and so it's kind of cool meeting in rented facilities because it puts the emphasis back on community which is what church was always supposed to be right Uh, the people of God gathered together And we gather here on a Sunday morning and we are the church. And what's neat to see is kind of how this church is now growing from Monday to Saturday. Uh, And the other thing that's kind of cool about us being a tabernacle church is um, we don't have a cross at the front of this building because it's not our building, right? Um, But instead we got uh, a screen. And it's kind of cool for me to see things like this because sometimes this helps me worship better than seeing a cross, um, and feeling like I'm out there seeing what God does and there's a connection there for me. So I'm just kind of excited that we are a Tabernacle Church uh, and that we get to kind of just set up shop, shop every week and meet in the movie theater. So I'm glad you guys are here. Uh, the other thing too is um, it gets you out of that rut, uh, guys especially, of looking at the Bulletin and kind of just thinking that Sunday morning is a wedding you know, you're in this building where weddings happen, and you've got the kind of order of service, and you tick it off. Okay, I'm one song and a special music away from getting out of here. Um, and so you can't do that here. Here you just come, uh, you get a coffee, and you fall asleep in the comfortable seats, but it's all cool. Uh, let's go ahead and pray, and then we're going to get started. Uh, Father, we do just want to declare this morning that you are the reason why we gather that you're at the center of this, you're all throughout this, that you're what helps us learn how to love, you're the motivation for our love, uh, and Father, you're the one that that graces us when we love poorly. And I just pray for this community called Antioch and that we would somehow be able to get excited about what you're doing here, uh, that it would carry from uh, Sunday to the next Sunday, that we would be in this town as the people gathered in your name, not just showing up at a service every week. And we pray this in your son's name. Amen. Uh, well, we're in a, a series, a short series right now on uh, trusting God. And so last week, we talked about trusting God with our families, and we dedicated kids, and it was fun. And this week, uh, we're talking about trusting God with your resources and it's a good time for me to say that you always have to remember, with Guy Gleason, that anything he says, uh, all his views and opinions do not represent the stated beliefs of this church. Uh, so always keep that in mind when he's doing announcements. Um, and, uh, but anyways, we're going to talk about trusting God with our resources. And we're going to dive right in because I want to get somewhere different this morning. So I want to uh, try and frame it, and then we're just going to make a lot of headway. But the basic idea here... Uh, with trusting God with our resources is that it's all God's stuff it's all his and God says some of it's for you but some of it's for me and so you see in the Garden of Eden there's all these these uh these fruit trees um and God doesn't need fruit yet there's a tree that's just for him and it's teaching people right from the get-go, you don't get all of it. Some of it's for you, but some of it's reserved for me. And I mean, that'd be a real hard thing to be in the garden and be like, but God, you don't eat fruit. Uh, And that's pretty good. Why can't I have all of it? Why can't I have all of it? And the idea is we're always tempted to take all of it because we can see what we can do with it, and we can't really see what God's going to do with it. But the nature of the way God created this world is that some of it is for us and some of it is always saved for God. And so um, even in just the fruit, okay, some of this is for us and some of it is not. I I haven't seen too many people other than junior hires who just like to get attention uh, just gobble down a core of a piece of fruit, the seeds, Okay, So some of this is designed for us, and God says, this is my part. And you know what I'm going to do with it? It's the seeds. It's what's going to multiply. You put this back out into my soil. I designed things. I'm going to take that and multiply it in ways you couldn't imagine, and it's going to bear more fruit. This is my seed money. And when God gives you your resources, he says, some of it's for you, and some of it's for me. And that's my seed money. I'm going to multiply that. We take the seven loaves of bread that we have, like the little kid that came to Jesus, remember that? And we think, well, how am I going to eat this? Well, I got some leftovers. I've got an idea how I can share this, and I can, I can parcel this out. But what God's saying is, no, some of it you bring to me, just like this kid brought it to Jesus, and I'm going to multiply it. And you're not going to know how I'm going to do it, but that's my seed money. Okay. And so we see this show up in even the text of, of the Old Testament when it talks about tithe. So I just want to read a couple of these for you. And it's kind of fascinating, just the language that's used, because it doesn't say in the Old Testament that you give a tithe. Rather, in the Old Testament, it says you bring your tithe. Let me just read a couple of verses for you. Leviticus 20, chapter 27 The tithe of offering from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Deuteronomy 12. There bring your burnt offerings and sacrifices, your tithes and special gifts, later in the chapter. Then to the place of the uh, the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name. There you are to bring everything I command you your burnt offerings and sacrifices, your tithes and special gifts, and all the choice possessions you have vowed to the Lord. Later in Deuteronomy, at the end of every three years, bring all your tithes of that year's produce and store it in your towns. Second Chronicles, the men of Israel and Judah who lived in the towns of Judah also brought a tithe of their herds and flocks and a tithe of the holy things dedicated to the Lord their God. And they piled them in heaps. Chronicles again, then they faithfully brought in the contributions, tithes, and dedicated gifts. Nehemiah, Nehemiah's talking to the people, and we will bring a tithe of our crops to the Levites, for it is to the Levites who collect the tithes in all the towns where we work. And it says later, Nehemiah, that all Judah brought the tithes of grain, new wine, and oil into the storerooms. Okay, here's the idea, Psalm 24.1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world, and all who live in it. And so we don't give back to God. We bring it. It is God's. And so we are called with our resources to bring the tithe. We don't stand above God saying, let me give you something. We stand below God who is over everything and we are called to take the part that he has set aside to himself that's holy and we are called to take and bring that up to him do you understand that and so turn to malachi if you've got your bibles this is the last book of the new the old testament and in malachi we see um a crazy deal going on with ties and and it's going to kind of transition us here but Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, this is what God says. Malachi 3, 6. I the Lord do not change. So you, O descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. That's kind of a, a crazy thought. If I did change and like my moods kind of went up and down, I'd have wiped you guys out, right? Um, It's a good thing I don't change. Ever since the time of your forefathers, you've turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? And God says, will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. That word's pretty clear here. Rob means take something that belongs to me. Take it away from me. Rob. Rob. Okay, it's mine. I own it. But you ask, how do we rob you? And then it says this, in tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into my storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Now he says this, and this is fascinating. Test me in this. Okay, when we, we always kind of do this. Oh, you're not supposed to test God. You're not supposed to put God to the test because when devil was tempting Jesus, Jesus says, you don't put the Lord, your God, to a test, right? And what Jesus meant by that was you don't do some ridiculously gratuitous, meaningless act like throw yourself off a 10-story building and say, God, like, save me, okay? Um, The whole reason, this has nothing to do with anything, um, but it makes sense in my head. This is a fascinating thing. Like, in the Middle Ages, we look at how they used to do, like, the... When a guy was being accused of a crime, they would, like, torture him. And we're like, that's crazy. And, and the crazy thing was that that came about because Pope Innocent said, we can't do how we've been doing it up until now. We have to have a confession because they didn't have DNA. They didn't have forensic. They didn't have anything. So what they'd been doing up until 1215, okay, was they would take a guy and they would say, if this, we're going to throw him into, like, boiling water, and if and if he's innocent god will protect him and if he's not he'll get burned and pope innocent says you can't do that cuz you're asking god to do a specific miracle like on the spot and we don't get to tell god when to do miracles and so like if you were even suspected of doing something before this like you know that was the they would do there was a couple other crazy things they do like that where god would have to intervene and Pope Innocent said, No, there has to be more than that. It has to be a confession. And so then they started going, Okay, well, if we need a confession, let's just really push hard on this guy. And, maybe, and that's kind of how they began to use these torture things. But it, I mean, it's amazing where it came out of. But we don't get to just tell God when and where he's going to do miracles. And so Jesus says, No, I can't throw myself off a 10 story building. You can't put God to the test. But here God is saying, Test me. Well, what's the difference? The difference is God has commanded from the beginning of creation certain things. These are his his decrees and his commands, and we are supposed to obey him. And what God is coaxing us to do is he's he's saying, just do what you're supposed to do, and then you'll see that, that the way I've designed this whole thing, I'll do what I promised. Test me. It's like when I say to my kids, look, just... Just do what I say, and I'll reward you. I'm wanting to, like, take you out for ice cream tonight when you clean your room, but you got to clean your room. Test me. And it's a different kind of test than what we've kind of grown up thinking. You don't put God to the test. And sometimes we need to realize we got to take God at face value. When he says to do something, if we do it, we will be blessed. Okay? Now, here's where it gets squirrely. Um, one of two ways. Uh, there's these promises of God that he'll bless you. So here's how the money talk gets squirrely. Uh, and I thought of showing a, a clip, but I decided not to. But um, guys can get up and, and hammer you with that. Just give, 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 because God's going like, to grow your net worth. Just test him in this. And then it's like this big manipulation game, right? And that's not the goal. The goal was not your net worth. The goal was to trust that God is faithful and for him to prove himself so that you can start living the life God wants you to live. The other way it gets squirrely is this, uh, the motives of the guy talking about giving. Okay, Why do we not give? Um, We don't give because we don't understand how this makes sense in our life. And so it's kind of about me. And the guy whose motives are impure about the money talk that that uses all the scripture and says, now give, and is thinking, well, my church needs money or I need money, his deal is the exact same as the people that aren't giving. It's all about self. And so about six months ago, I was watching TBN, and I was playing Name That Heresy. Uh, And Benny Hinn came on. And Benny Hinn's showing a picture of his new jet, okay, and Tamara, like, comes in, but he's showing a picture of this new jet. And he's like, I've got this great thing, and, and the God told me to do this. And so here's what it is. I've got this prayer room in the back of my jet, okay? And for $1,000, I've got it all lined out to where your name will be etched into that prayer room on the back of my jet, okay? And I'm just thinking, wow. And then for $10,000, it'll be etched around the doorway of the jet. And that way he'll pray for you or think of you, you know, um, every time he's in his prayer room. And I'm just thinking, wow, you know a guy's gone bad when first class is no longer good enough for a pastor, right? Um, he's got to have the jet. But, but that's, that's the perversion of the money talk. Okay? And uh, Connor and Sam, I need you guys to come up. They don't know they're doing this. Um, but here's where we have to completely reorient where we're at with the money talk because it's not about you and it's not about me. It's about God. So Sam, here's what I need you to do. Uh, grab your bass and, uh, and then pick it up. No, I'm just kidding. I need you just to hit one note. Just one note. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Connor, play along to that. Get the beat, get the rhythm, play along to it. Okay, Okay, he hit two notes because he's a good friend and wants to help you. Um, I knew Connor would be good because Connor's just going to do something weird and have fun with it. But what Connor's doing, if he plays along to Sam, is not playing along to a beat. He's just making something up and having fun with it, right? With just one note, you can't get into this group. Play something now like just actually play, and then Connor, go ahead and play along once you get the beat. Okay, now try and clap, I know half you're going to get it wrong, but I want everyone to try and clap along, okay? Okay. Okay, all right, that's good. All right, these guys will go all day if I let them All right. So thank you. Here's where the money talk goes wrong. We strum one note and then some pastor tries to make you dance. Okay. And we don't have the beat. We're not getting the full picture of what's going on. We're not getting the story of God and we're not understanding the rhythm where God's at to where we're supposed to join into it. And here's where God's at. God doesn't need our money. Uh, He doesn't eat apples, okay? Um, God wants a just society. He wants his family, his people, his creation to be taken care of, okay? He doesn't want it to be about us. And so he is always designed for there to be this community under his name that are givers and not takers. I want to show a quick clip it has nothing to do with spirituality, God, or the Bible, but it's from one of my favorite movies. So we'll go ahead and show that. Doc, what you doing? Hey, Doc, what do you make of it? we cut it there, maybe we can come back to it. Is it going to load in? If we cut it there. We had to do computer switch this morning. I think it's got to load into the memory. Um, If we can play it later, we'll play it later. Um, But actually, I'll just tell you what it's about. Uh, Have you guys ever seen the movie Instinct with Cuba Gooding Jr. and uh, Anthony Hopkins? Um, It's a sweet thinking man's movie. Like if you love to just think deeply about life, you've got to watch this movie. But it's this uh, archaeologist that goes and lives with these gorillas and kind of begins to rethink Western culture and he talks about the whole idea is that we're takers. And so he's in this jail cell, and, and Cuba Gooding Jr. is doing this psychoanalysis on him, and he's beginning in some sense to be discipled by this guy. And this guy, he comes in to the jail cell, and, and Anthony Hopkins' character is drawn a map of the world with these pastel pens. And then he starts to tell Cuba Gooding Jr. about um, we're we're takers, you know, and, and this has come in. And Cuba Gooding Jr. says, what are we supposed to do? Just knock down the cities, you know, give everything away, just go backwards. And it's a pretty powerful moment. And Anthony Hopkins doesn't say anything, and Cuba Gooding Jr. starts to walk away, and he says, Dominion. And Cuba Gooding Jr. stops and turns around. And Anthony Hopkins says, Dominion. We have to give up Dominion. It's not ours we're not gods, we're not kings yet. And he goes on this, like, total Anthony Hopkins, if you've ever seen any movie he's ever been in, he's got this huge speech at some point in the movie. Um, But he goes in this little speech about how we're not gods, we're not kings, it's not ours, we can't be takers, it's an attitude. And what God is trying to do with us is his people say, I want a society where orphans are taken care of, widows are taken care of, the sick are taken care of, um, the the alien and the foreigners taken care of who nobody gives a rip about them. And we've got those in America, by the way. And nobody cares about what they're making an hour. And nobody cares about anything else going on. And I want those people to be taken care of. And I want everybody in this just society, and it's not socialist. There's nobody there saying, if you work hard, I'm going to take all your money. And everyone gets evenly. I want you to do it out of love for me, realizing that I'm the one that's taking care of you. I'm blessing your crops I'm the one that made sure you were born into the family you were born into so you could get the education you got, so that you could get the job you got. Nothing's really from you. I'm behind it all. I'm sovereign. And so I want this society to be taken care of. And as soon as someone starts going, you know what? I think I can do a better job with 100%. I'm not going to give back that part that's God's or, or I don't want to give it to that person or I don't want to give to God or I know how to invest this or what am I even going to get out of it and we've got kind of a taker mentality and we stop giving, what happens is now everyone's isolated and independent and there is no give and take and God's saying how can I affirm that even, I, how can I even bless you so now you've, you've log jammed me When a kid is being disobedient, you walk into like a third grade class and some kid is smarting off at his teacher. What in the world can you affirm with that? I mean, you can't affirm that. It's like affirmation means there's a nugget, there's something good that's going on and you want to gas that and magnify it and and affirm it so that it'll grow. But if a kid's mouthing off at his teacher, no matter how much you want to encourage that kid, you can't. And God's saying, there's no give and take, and people are going without, and it's not working. And what's worse is now you've blocked it off to where I can't affirm you. I can't bless you. Return to me so that I can return to you. And so God's rhythm is justice. And God's rhythm, in some sense, is equality. And it's love. And so God says, don't cheat me out of my part it's what makes my plan go and so catch catch the beat and learn to move in that rhythm learn to clap along with where i'm at and so what's so crazy about here is uh, is that we begin to stop doing that here i just actually i got a little thing i, I pulled from somewhere um it's it's called the property law for from a toddler's perspective Okay, this is a freebie if you're a parent. Um, Here's the property law from a toddler's perspective. If I like it, it's mine. If I can take it away from you, it's mine. If it looks like mine, it's mine. Uh, If I saw it first, it's mine. Uh, If you're having fun with it, it's mine. Okay. I see this one all the time. If you lay it down, it's mine. Um, And if it's broken, it's yours. Okay, and the idea here is that it's not ours. The earth and everything in it belongs to God, Psalm 24.1. And we begin to need to see our stuff like this and generosity comes in and give and take and we're trusting God that we're not going to run out of gas. That's God's part. That's why the testing of God, that's why this is trusting God with your resources because you can give and go out on a limb and realize that he will sustain you. But it's faith, right? He requires that you start, and then he'll come along and support you. That's the whole idea of faith. That's why the righteous, those that do rightly, will walk by faith. That's what it's about. And so whenever God disciplines people, he's got this beat going, and he wants a certain kind of society, and he wants justice, and he wants love, and he's got this beat going. And so whenever God gets mad at his people, he goes right at the leaders, Ezekiel 34, if you want to look it up this week. God goes right at the leaders of a society or of the church or of, of his community and says, you're shepherding poorly. My sheep, the people, aren't fed. They're not tended. They're not taken care of. Um, they're, they're going around as if there is no shepherd. There's no one there looking out for them. And that's why God in the Old Testament, you know, Psalm 23, um, the good shepherd, in John chapter 10, Jesus comes along and says, I'm, I'm the good shepherd, and you've got this idea of when God intervenes and when God's leading, he shows us how it's done. He shows us how it's done. And so here's the, the deal. Turn to Matthew 11. So when God judges people, he goes right at this and says, you don't get what you're supposed to be doing. And the kind of church or the kind of community that you're supposed to be building, the kind of family you're supposed to be building, it's not about you. It's not about independence. It's about interdependence. And it's about togetherness, and it's about unity. And it's about love. And he goes, you don't get it. And so when he judges people, he goes after that. And when he says, I'm finally bringing it back to where it's supposed to be, he goes after the same kind of thing. Here's John or Matthew chapter 11. After Jesus had finished instructing the 12 disciples, he went from... From there to teach and preach the news uh, in Galilee, and when John the Baptist heard in prisons what Christ was doing, he sent his disciples to ask him, "Are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? Are you the one that's here to fix it? Are you the Savior? Jesus' name, you know, means the one who saves. It's. It's. Are you the one who's here to fix the, the mess?" And Jesus replies. Go back and don't say yes or no to John the Baptist. What does he say? Go back and report to John what you hear and see. Tell him what I'm doing. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cured. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me you want to know whether I'm the right one? First, go back to God's beat. And then I'm going to tell you what I'm doing. And you know what, John, blessed are you if you don't fall away on account of me. You need to see that I'm in harmony with God, and you're going to know that I'm the right one. I am the one that's here to restore. I am the one that's here to save. I go and preach good news to the poor, that God cares. That God loves you. That God's got his sleeves rolled up, and he's right here in the middle of this mess trying to help restore things the way they ought to be. And God's plan has never changed. And so when God does, when a church does, when, Jesus, when anyone does what God is doing, we get in line with that. We go to the margins of society. The, the places at the edge where, where there's neglect. Does that make sense? And we go there, and we go there with our resources, not just with our words. Jesus didn't just say, oh, yeah, I'm all about these things. He says, go and tell John what you've seen, what you've heard. I'm in the margins. And so we got that great passage from Jesus when he says, uh, you know, uh, if you do good to me, you know, then, then things will go well. And the disciple's like, what do you mean? And he's like, you know, if you give a cup of cold water, and if you go visit me in prison, if you go do these things, if you do that for the people in the margins, you're doing it for me. Because that's where I'm at. And so I'm wondering what the church is up to. I saw a statistic just the other day, and, uh, and I wondered where are God's people Okay, here's the statistic. It was in that uh, Africa learning group that we were having. And since the year 2003, a third more money worldwide has been spent on Viagra than AIDS relief. And to me, that's kind of funny. You know, Viagra might be a good thing, but AIDS in Africa and the poor and the needy it ought to somehow be bigger. And I wonder, where are God's people? Where are we? And so how it's supposed to look is this. Turn to Acts chapter 2. We're supposed to be like the uh, the movie Batman. Have you ever seen Batman or the old ones? And Gotham City's got this kind of big spotlight, right? And it shines up in the sky with the little bat symbol, and then Batman sees that and goes oh there's a need and Batman comes running okay uh when we see that there's a need when the call goes out we're supposed to come running and not just in sentiment or in words or or something but but full on with our resources into the margins where God wants us to be and understand that that's God's rhythm that's where we're supposed to be acts chapter 2 this kind of pulls it together for me with the money thing. Acts chapter 2. So you've got the church, the early church, uh, chapter 2, verse 42. You've got the early church, and it's this picture of what it's supposed to be, kind of in a nutshell. And you've probably heard this a ton of times. And it simply says this in verse 42, reading on. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. And all the believers were together, and they had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, and they broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I honestly believe that when the church is the church, people come. It's the, it's the goal of a New Testament church to grow. Something healthy, you plant something in your yard and it doesn't grow, you're going to rip it out and go back to the nursery and say, give me a new one. And, then, and when a church is planted and it's, spo- and it's supposed to be healthy, it will grow. And this is a picture of what a community is supposed to look like when, when we've got the rhythm and we're, we're in sync with God and it's happening and money and resources right smack in the middle of that. And so it's kind of like this. You've, you've got uh, the Holy Spirit is doing something in a community and there's this fire and it's burning and, and you're just excited about this fire. Like, Look at what is going on here. This is so cool. I want to be a part of this. And so you start looking around and say, what do I got that will burn? And by the way, everything you got, it says in Corinthians, is going to burn. Like, you know, everything that you own someday will burn. And what Paul meant by that is it's temporal stuff, your resources. And so you start looking around and say, what do I got that's going to burn? And let me go gas this fire. What can I bring to the table to just be a part of what God's doing? This is so cool. I just, I don't care about this. I just want to be here Contributing to what God is doing, and that's where God wants us. And so, in the in that same church, we see it go wrong with Ananias and Sapphira. And here's what they do: They're like, "Wow, this is really cool!" And people are giving things, and people are like, "Wow, you brought something! Look, you are gassing the fire. Well, we want so let's sell this, and we bring it in, and we're going to give half, but we're going to make everyone think we're giving everything." Because it's not about the fire, it's about us again. Which isn't the rhythm of God. And they get called out. God says, God calls the time out and says, Peter, I need to talk to you. Because God talked to Peter pretty clearly. He says, Peter, uh, they're lying. And deal with it. Because it's early in the church and it's not about you. It's about me. Remember last week? I'm a big deal. God is a big deal. Not I can't. God is a big deal. And it's about him. And when we start making it about us, like that movie I didn't show you, you know, that we're not kings yet and we're not little gods, it messes it all up. It'd be like if Connor just started doing his own thing and grooving and he'd get his hips going at some point. and, And it's not what the rhythm is. And God's saying, no, no, no. And it's the same reason he got mad at Cain. No, you don't bring my part and just throw it at me and check it off your checkbox. You don't just give it, yeah, oh, here you go, God. um, And act like your life is so important, and that's where it's really at, but this little part's not that big of a deal. You don't have an impure heart. You realize, you know what? It is all from me, and when you bring a portion of it, God loves a cheerful giver. Why? Because a cheerful giver understands that I'm bringing God just a portion, but he could have asked me for all of it because it's all God's, and I love to come and give thanks to God for blessing me. And God, you know what? Last time I gave, you brought so much more, and now I can give even more, and I love this. I enjoy this. Look at the people that I'm reaching, the church that I'm helping, the ministries that I'm feeding, and I love this. It's got joy to it. And, you know, all the studies that are coming out recently about the act of giving triggers some kind of T-cell something and this other, like, part of your brain. And it's, like, actually like a drug. You get pleasure out of it. Now, who created your brain? God did. God's not just saying, be a miserable giver, and then I'm going to give back to you. You're going to go, oh, this thing works. He's like, man, I so want you to give that I wired you up. That as you start doing this, all of a sudden you're going to be like, man, I've been depressed for years. And now when I start giving things away, it works. And so it's like a a pond when it doesn't have an outlet, only an inlet. It's stale, stagnant, dead, and you're depressed. And when you start giving it away and there's an inlet and an outlet, I mean, think of a stream. It's lush. It's vibrant. There's life. And that's you, not depressed anymore. Um, I'm thinking of those, your brain on drugs commercials. Uh here's the statistic I want to throw at you. 15% 15% of Jesus's teaching uh was about money. He talked more about that than heaven and hell. And I'm going to get to that in a second and I believe because talking about your money was him getting right at the heart that was going to affect heaven and hell. Okay, I'll get to that in a second. 16 of his 38 parables were about money, one out of every 10 verses in the Gospels, is about money. And in the Bible, 500 verses are on prayer, less than 500 on faith, but there's 2,000 verses on money and possessions. Everything is spiritual. And the tops on that list is your money. Because you're going to get right at the heart of a person of whether they're in sync with God by whether their resources are fueling this fire, whether they're really into that. I i uh I've got three daughters and a girl dog, and so I joined two um, um nCAA tournaments in the last couple weeks because I needed to feel like a man again and so it's been really hard for me because I owe this guy ten dollars to be in this one tournament uh this this uh bracket and uh and I'm like out of twenty six people, I think right now i'm second to last uh, and I blame that on the girls because I don't get to watch ESPN as much anymore um but I don't want to give my $10 anymore. I'm not into this anymore. It's not fun for me anymore. It was a cool idea to be into this pool, but now I kind of don't want to give my money, and you'll see where my heart's at. You know, as soon as your heart stops being into something, what's the very next thing? Your resources kind of start to go somewhere else. And if your resources kind of aren't into God's stuff and into that fire, then you're not really into that fire, being a part of what God's a part of. And so Jesus talked about money all the time because he's like, for you to go to heaven, not go to hell, all this other stuff is about you being in sync with God and loving God and loving others. And I can go right at your money and tell you you're just all about talk. You're not in. You're not looking at your resource. You're not looking at this stuff as fuel for that fire. And so I'm excited because I think God's doing something in Bend and it's bigger than Antioch. And I say it all the time, but look, um, if Antioch isn't working for you, there's another church in town that will, and I'll help you find one. I don't care whether you come here or go somewhere else. It's not about little empires, okay? It's about being a part of what God's doing, and somehow you've got to find a family. So don't, don't go to church, okay? But find a church and dive in, and then look and see where the fire's at, where's the Holy Spirit moving, and then dive into that. I'm excited about this Uganda stuff because it's something like that for me. And so what do we got that will burn that we can throw into that fire and it simply comes back down to this and it's just kind of the conclusion. Uh, There's your part. Invest it wisely. Don't spend it foolishly. Even be generous with it. You know, Ben's is horrible for splitting tabs. Like I came from California and you never split a tab. Somebody picked it up and then it would come back around to him, and it all evens out in the end. But man, just even if it doesn't, buy someone's meal. Be generous with your money. Don't be stupid, but be generous. But don't forget that, that God needs his seed money. He wants a just society and a just community and a church that functions healthy. And he wants believers to be tied in with other believers. The more fortunate, the less fortunate. And we're all together having everything in common because we desire that, because God is burning there. And we want to be where he's at. We want to bring that to the table. So this is God's part. And and we don't give the tithe. We bring it. And so may you not... Be guilted into thinking that religion and church is just always after your money. May you not see it as an obligation like Cain. Just get it off my list, check box, but my attention and my heart are over here. Rather, may you fall in love with a God who is worthy of your worship, May you look at your things rightly and gladly and cheerfully bring back to God what he requires from you so that God can keep doing what God is doing and so that God can bless your life. May we find our happiness and our pleasure in our obedience to God. Let's pray. Father, I yearn for a day when the church has a different reputation. When people don't just see religion as power and control and abuse. Father, I I read Acts chapter 2 and I want to believe that can happen in our midst. I believe that if it's going to happen, it's going to be you doing it through your Holy Spirit and through churches caring more about the kingdom of God than their own little club. And Father, I just pray that you would break us in this church that you would purify us, refine our motives, give us the right mindset, help us hear your tune and somehow get our lives in sync with that. May there be a harmony there. I pray that for myself, my family, Father, for this church. In Christ's name, amen.